This is Mark Archer from Alternate. Hi, this is Ian from Dream Frequency. This is Slip Matt, and you're in tune to the On the Rave. On the Rave. On the Rave podcast. Watch your bass fins, I'm telling you. Well, hello, all you ravers out there. We are back with the On the Rave podcast. I am your Admiral of the Aiming Break. I'm Addy, and this week I'm by myself as Gab's tapped out for a little while to sort his business out. He's a very busy boy down in. Get a little golf, get yourself down there if you want some crazy golf action and some fucking banging food. So without further ado, we will start the way we always start this with a little bit of Raver's Choice. And this week it's picked by Simtel Craig T. Thank you very much for listening and thank you for choosing this absolute banger. This is Eggman, don't have to be Jesus.
today on the podcast we are recording at the wonderful Basement Snacks and if you come down the spiral staircase, if you've got a mask on, or the back staircase which is wonderfully painted, then you can shout at Don's on the raving at 10% off all your coffee and cakes. Still, Don's is open so please come and support local this local coffee shop, it's wonderful. And today we're recording without Gav, um, he's been furloughed from the podcast, not really, he's just a re- really, really busy lad at the minute, so um, he's having to take much time with their uh, cooking and things like that. And today on the podcast we have, actually, I don't know what to call you on here. Stig. Just Stig? Yeah. Are you not, uh, well, hello Stig, welcome to the podcast. Ah, right. <laughs> I certainly am. How are you? I'm good, thanks, yeah. Yeah, do you want to tell people any of the other aliases that you can, they can check you out at? I think the, the um, well, my my new alias is the Sparkle Warrior, but I'm in the middle of recording a new album at the moment, so that's probably going to be like a couple of months down the line. Right. For the moment, you can find us at Stig, and I use Stig Music because if you search Google for Stig... You get like a certain white racing driver and a white helmet. Ah, yes. And he takes up about six or seven pages of the search results. So I, I went for Stig Music because then it means that, you know, I'm, I don't you, get You're not getting him. top gear fans. Exactly, yeah. And that, they're, they're the worst fans. It's not really my crowd, if I'm no, listening. I, I, I can't see that <laughs> ever happening, really. That would be a, a monumental mistake for them to make. Yeah. But anyways, let's, um, let's get into the podcast we start where we always start, question one, because that's the logical way to do it, <laughs> early influences. So who started you on this path? Was it someone, was it parents, was it friends, was it, who played the music in your house? Well, in my house it was definitely my dad. Uh, my dad's a musician, he's a, an acoustic musician, so yeah. he plays um, acoustic guitar, he's played bass in quite a lot of bands, uh, but he's into a lot of sort of um, 70s rock and um, a lot of folk music, a lot of bluegrass um, so, so what are the artists that would would be played generally well, around his, the house? I mean, uh, his favorite his favorite band is a band called Stevie Dan. I yes, that, heard of that. Way, yeah, that. so he played loads of them, and he he loved he loves Joni Mitchell. Yeah, uh, and um, and his favorite, in fact, my first my choice for question one, uh, which I, I I revised, was a track of my dad's favorite artist, which is a guitarist called John Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a um, a sort of a folk guitarist, but he's kind of like a mad, alcoholic, amazing sort of uh, tearaway who wrote these beautiful love songs. So uh, um, I, I did choose one of his tracks, but I thought, do you know what? That's my dad. That's not me. Yes. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's amazing. Um, is there anything else you would play apart from that? Well, um, anything else that I would play from my childhood? My my mum, uh, she's into music, but more sort of casually. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not really that she... Um, She's sort of obsessive with music, but she liked uh, Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. She liked Motown, uh, so she liked Marvin Gaye. Um, but she also listened to a load of like old seventies prog rock, so she liked Genesis and things like that. Right. Um, so I was going to choose like because that kind of had an imp- it all had an impact on me. Um, but the actual track that I did choose for question one is like didn't come from my parents, didn't come from anything. Was just like that was like this the track that we'll play. That's really kind of how I got into music. Well, it's a very interesting way. One of my favourites, because we're both gamers. Yeah, yeah. And uh, especially this retro, chiptune type things that brings a lot of nostalgia. Uh, I know when when I did my second list, um, I picked uh, Xenon 2 Mega Blast. Nice. As well as... Good soundtrack. Yeah, it's an amazing soundtrack. Uh, The Bomb the Bass. Bitmap Brothers always had great soundtracks. Because they got Betty Boop, didn't they? They do Magic Pockets. Yes. There was all sorts of amazing artists on their... their Yeah, it's just... 
that but Amiga fied. Yeah, exactly. If that's what you want, that kind of like mod mod sort of yeah. Amiga kind but, of sound. And then when when I started making music on Amigas, uh, I was just fascinated because you could just use use Octobed. And yeah, you yeah. Just, you just put the game thing in. And it was like, oh. There's the mod file. <laughs> There's yeah. all the sounds well, from it. Well, that's why I got into tracking because, like, you d- you you download like, or you just get a hold of other people's songs on discs, and then you go into their song, and it's like, well, there's all their samples. It's like, yeah. oh, I'll have that. <laughs> and it always because I was just like, oh, how have they done that? Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, look at that. That's yeah. a bit very interesting. I might steal that for a track. Just uh, <laughs> just alter it a little bit. So, what track did you actually pick, and what game is it from? Ah, right. Well, um, it's from one of the first games that I ever really loved. Um, when I was a kid, uh, like 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 a lot of people my age, I was into like ZX Spectrum, Commodore sixty four, yes. um, pr- kind of slightly pre Amiga days. But I never had an Amiga. I, um, I asked my parents to get me a Sega Mega Drive because they were absolutely enormous at the time. There weren't so, it wasn't so big elsewhere in the world, but here in the UK, it was like Mega Drive was the one that you yeah. had. So I got a Mega Drive, and um, there used to be, I don't know if you remember this, there used to be a, a TV show on ITV called Bad Influence. It rings a bell, but yeah. it's not... It was, um, it was like a video games show, probably one of the first ones ever, and they would like preview games and stuff, and they... Um, I remember, I very, very much remember there was an episode in the very end of it, like, coming up next week... We've got a world exclusive. We're going to show you Streets of Rage 2. And they showed about a couple of, a couple of moments of footage and that. And I was like, what is that fucking game? So I didn't even, hadn't even played it. I hadn't even seen anything. I just said, Mum and Dad, I was like, Mum and Dad, I want Streets of Rage 2 for Christmas. So I got that. <laughs> and so the, the track that I've chosen is um, the first stage from Streets of Rage 2, written by a guy called Yuzo Koshiro. Uh, who's um, a pretty famous games composer, actually. I can talk yes, about that then. Yes, he's... Um, when, when I was downloading the tracks yesterday, just albums and albums of the various God, yeah. tracks I played, and uh, games I played in in my childhood, or mostly like Mega Drive. Yeah, yeah, funnily enough, you didn't, like, because... Like, if, if anyone hasn't heard this track, when you hear it, it's kind of like a... It's a it's a banging bit of, like, early 90s-style dance music. But the, the music he wrote before that was all for, like, role-playing games, so he uh-huh. wrote, like, orchestral music and stuff, and then... So it's like orchestral sort of magical mystical music, and then Streets of Rage two, he just drops this banging set of dance music, and it's like fantastic. But and now it suits he the game so well. Oh, it does, does. I mean, it's exactly what you want for that kind of game. And um, he did the first Streets of Rage as well, which is a bloody good, a bloody good soundtrack as well. But Streets of Rage two, he just upped his game and just absolutely nailed it. And I've got, I've got the soundtrack to this game on double vinyl because yeah. uh, there's a brilliant record label. Down in London, called Data Discs. Yes, have you heard oh, of Data yeah, Discs? Well, yeah, yeah um, do some amazing stuff. They do. I've got loads of their records. They just put out these limited run copies of um, uh, Mega Drive soundtracks, like that have all been mastered from like original hardware. And it's they're just I've got I've got Streets Rage Two, and it just you could drop it into any set. That's why I've chosen this tune because like you could drop it into any DJ set and it would work. Well, I don't see any reason why not to just <laughs> launch this absolute banger on everyone. Damn right! If, if you want to work, yes, the track the track is uh, the, the track is called Go Straight, and it's by Yuzo Koshiro.
And that was from the original soundtrack, The Streets of Rage 2, a game that I am kind of playing at the minute on my <laughs> Switch. Uh, I'm actually playing Streets of Rage 4, which is uh, which is just a wonderful, wonderful it's, thing. Streets of Rage 4, it's great. Uh, Lizard Cube did it. It's, um, it's like... Uh, there's some of these retro sequels that go for like pixel art and like you said, like they go for the nostalgia. What I love about Streets of Rage 4 is the nostalgia's in the gameplay, yeah. but all the graphics and the sound and everything are really, really modern. Yeah. If you ask me, that's how you do a remake. Like, yeah, well, that's it, how you it, do it's, it's perfect as well. Yeah, like, they're yeah. in because they've got, if you unlock a few characters, they've put the retro things in and kind of have haven't they so uh, you can still get that little retro fix of it I'm looking forward to that I haven't beat it yet it's a bloody hard game yes it is yes, it, it's, it's very hard. hard I was uh, disappointed I was playing on the bus yesterday and uh, I don't know if my save wiped but oh, I got no. through to, I was quite far into the game and then I went on yesterday and I was like start from the beginning again I, I got my mates to come around and play co-op just because when I do it on my own I just get killed so yes, quickly it's, uh, <laughs> it's very hard by yourself yeah. uh, you tend to just get Mobbed. Mobbed, yes. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, we, uh, we uh, digressing from the subject well, and, and onto gaming, indeed. which is not this podcast. I thought I'd choose that track first so we'd get all of that shit out of the way and now we can get properly on the music. I- I'm sure it still will rear its uh, ugly head. <laughs> I'm sure it will. So, after you've progressed from your... Actually, the first one is actually Find Your Own Feet because yeah. it was on the thing, really. But after you've moved on from your mother and your father playing stuff in the house... What was floating your boat after that? Well, I kind of, I think like every, it doesn't matter like if you're mega into music or you're not, you kind of want to rebel from what your parents like. Oh, very and, much so. Um, I did. My parents like shit. I and still do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I've actually, I actually love the music that my parents like then, but obviously when you're like sort of that age, I was like, oh, fuck all your stuff. I'm going to go out and find my own stuff. So I was, I was getting into video game music and stuff, but at the same time, like um, all my friends were playing like lo- kind of loads of, um, you know, like uh, sort of pop music and yeah. uh, and stuff like that. But um, I believe for this particular track uh, that I've chosen, a friend of mine who's now a, a, um, a dub, reggae and dub DJ, he was well into like really kind of early um, turntablism. Yeah, because very much um, very early cut and pasting of, of music. And this after listening through it last night again, because I hadn't heard it in such a long time, yeah. it's just every old break, old hip-hop break and sample that you've ever seen just meld into one track. It's, it's like great. It's like the Big Beat era, where like... Yes, uh, like it, everyone it was just... Pr- it must be just prior to, yeah. to when Big Beat really took off. Yeah, because it was like... Uh, like, I remember... Like, because I heard this track and then there was, um, that we're going to play, uh, but also there's another track by the same band called Timber, which is yes, very it, famous. Yes, it's an amazing track. Yeah, incredible. I mean, I was going to choose that one, uh, but I thought that like people were more likely to have heard that than heard this one. But the album that this track's from, it's called Let Us Play, came with a second CD, which was a CD-ROM, which had cold cut software called VJAM, which is like a video mixing uh-huh. bit of software, and I'd never used anything like that. And that's what kind of got, got me into sampling. And my um, first solo record uh, was... Uh, like kind of all MIDI because it was kind of coming from the track and stuff that yeah. we were talking about before but then for my second record I'd listen to Cold Cut I'd play with V-Jam so it was all samples I just took yeah. I took like little samples from here and there uh, drum loops bits of beats <coughs> and stuff and so like this track to, that we're going to play like totally like symbolises to me that era of music where it was all about sampling it was all about getting loops putting stuff together and like making your own stuff out of it and it's a very creative way of doing it as yeah. well because you're limited to what you do so you tend to 
think outside of the bubble and it, it kind of progresses. Yeah, totally. You, you look for in, innovation in very simple things. Yeah, like that early, that sort of uh, late 90s period uh, was where sampling really kind of was yes. the thing. I mean, it's not that it kind of went out of fashion, but it's sort of like, I think as the technology got a bit better, people didn't really feel the need to do that yeah. sort of made the stuff themselves. And, and I think that's what's wrong, but not what's wrong with music these days because music's music, you can't have it wrong. But the fact that you can do anything at any point and there's not the innovation whereas, oh, how do I do this? Like time stretching, how time stretching was Absolutely. invented just by trying to make samples bigger and yeah. then you get a different sound by that and now you can just you can just do it. Choice Choices. Crippling though. Yes. Like, um, I go, going back to games very briefly, I remember... Like, I'd, I'd get in from work, like, years and years and years ago. I'd sit in front of a shelf of games, and I'd go, ooh, what am I going to play? And I'd have, like, hundreds and hundreds of it's games. It's one of the reasons I don't play more than a couple of games at a time. And yeah. On a, only one on one system. Yeah. That and uh, I'm shit at remembering buttons. <laughs> so I'll go from, I, play, I played Grand Theft Auto for that long, that every button should be Grand Theft Auto, whether I go into a game that looks a bit like Grand Theft Auto, I'm there and I'm hopping up from behind things and just <laughs> firing off shots and there randomly. Is, there is kind of like a set control system now because when people do do like con- like game controls that are different from the norm, it pisses everyone off. Yeah. They're like, ah, oh, the button should be there. But I totally what was I playing the other day? I was talking to Coops about it the other day because she, she was getting me to play uh, Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, yes, yeah. And the crouch button isn't where your crouch button... Because your crouch button would be clicking on there. Clicky stick, yeah. It was something else, so I was just springing up all the time. (laughs) Fuck, that's not... How are you, man? That's not a crouch button. It's funny you should say about crouching, because obviously we're sat in Basement Snacks now. The proprietor of Basement Snacks... Um, I, I had Hiya her, Dons. Hiya Dons. I had her playing Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. Oh, it's a beautiful game. And it's a wonderful game. But um, just due to the controller that she was playing on, like she spent most of the game just crouching. So it's like, you <laughs> it just... Like it's so much spends it's like clicking. Yeah. It's no good for that. So, so like I can see why for some games they might have taken it off the click because for, for less experienced gamers, they just crouch their way through the entire yeah. game. Yes, that that is that is the case. And anyways, we've slipped off a the be- topic. Beautiful the segue back into Cold Cut. But yes, <laughs> so uh, you picked Cold Cut. For I did. Uh, yeah. So uh, what track by Cold Cut? The track the track is more beats and pieces, uh, which is the beats and pieces was kind of their big sort of like first sampling track. But this was the one that really made it big. But the the, mix, the particular mix is called uh, Danny Whips Out Mix, which is the one that actually appeared on the last play record. I got rhythm. I got rhythm. I haven't used it.
nothing else. Nothing else. Nothing else. The fun you will get. Downright scrumptious. Old-fashioned flavor. Flavor. Flavor.
And that was Cool Cut, more beats and pieces, Daddy Rips It Up mix, and that was on the amazing Ninja Tunes from 1997. And we are on to number three, which is First Rave Memories. So when you're out and about, can you remember your first rave at all? Well, it's, it's, like I'm, it's probably a bit unusual for me, because I'll be like totally honest with you. When I, was, when I was a kid, I used to go out clubbing like quite a bit, but... So like, what kind of places? Well, uh, the first the first place I ever went was a club called Rock Shots. Yes, I know uh, it very well. Yeah, on Waterloo Street in Newcastle. I used it's to go Newcastle there. Newcastle misses Rock Shots so yeah, much. It does. We, I used to love we, that need, place. we would love. I'd love that size of venue in Newcastle again because yeah. there is nothing. The, now. the two rooms, it was just perfect. And then a little bit later on, there was well, a couple of years after that, there was a club called Foundation. Yes, uh, which was um, uh, like manners kind of way. Yes. Um, and uh, and there was some there was some great nights there. So I used to go out quite a lot, but um, the reason why my the early part of my life wasn't very ravey is um, I just didn't have the confidence to dance. Mm-hmm. So when I used to go out, I used to drink. But I would sit like on the tables and like all my mates would be up dancing and everything like that, and I'd be like, I just didn't have the like that sort of that get up and go kind of confidence to be there, and I didn't really gain that until a little bit later in my life. So my early memories of like banging nights were all kind of like sitting there with my pint wanting to dance but not kind of being able to so and uh, I, obviously we know each other I've gone in completely the opposite direction yes, absolutely <laughs> it's in fact, like you can't stop your dancing stick do we no think? no it's true it's like I dance in my sleep like, like when, I, when, when I've like met like nights at my mate's house I'll sleep on his sofa and he'll, he'll come in and he'll say your leg was still going while you were asleep I was like yeah man four to the floor and I'm just there, I'm there all night that's amazing <laughs> So is there anything else? Yeah, what, well, this... What would be your first ravey kind of night then? Mm, um, uh, the, the first proper serious rave that I went to uh, was in Milan in Italy. Oh, right. Yeah, I went, I went with my mates across to Milan and we went to this warehouse rave out in the suburbs in Milan. It was a big, big, like... I mean, this is this is like in my late 20s, so, yeah. so quite, it was quite late on because, as I said, I didn't really do it much in, in my childhood. But that, that, like, that was my first experience of... The big rave. Yeah. So, you know. what kind of people would be on? Could you remember? Nah. Well, the thing is, because it was Italian, like they were just playing all this absolutely amazing kind of Italo disco, yeah. and, like really, but really like like um, serious techno, and it was one of those things where I, I was a bit like, oh, I love this tune. I'm go up and ask him, but I can't speak Italian. No. I go, go up, I'd be like, come here. Yeah, it's this. What's <laughs> this? You know, this track, it's proper class. Um, but then, and he would just be like, okay. So, um, so no, I never, I never, I never bothered going up. So I'm like, that's why like my selections for this, um, are, um, more reflective of like my sort of, um, you know, like, um, bandy sort of musical taste yeah. in there because I love loads and loads of, like, uh, technical stuff, but I never know what, I never know what the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. So you went for quite a, oh, well, it's a pop classic, really. Well, this, well, the reason I went for this particular track is because it was the first single I ever bought. Oh, right. Yeah, like, uh, um, I, uh, when I was a kid, uh, um, I heard this on the radio, and um, I made my I dragged made my mum drag me to the supermarket, and you know the supermarket used to have like all of the CD and cassette singles yeah. like in a bit, a bit like Wolvis used to have. Um, and I found this on cassette, uh-huh. and this the the cassette of this particular sing- single, which is Technotronic featuring Belly, Pump Up the Jam, absolute banger. Yeah, I mean if you, if you haven't heard this, you've heard this. Everyone's got to have heard this. Um, 
But I, I bloody loved it. And then I, so I got the cassette single. And, like, you know, cassette singles would have, like, um, both tracks on both, both sides. sides. Well, I got, like, a C90 cassette because I had, like, an old ghetto blaster. I put it in and I recorded like a 90 minute cassette with just that song over, over and over, over and over, over. again. <laughs> so yeah, I think we've got to hear it like. Well, then let's fucking hear it. This is uh, Technotronic, pump up the jam. It up while your feet are stumping and the jam is pumping. Look ahead, the crowd is jumping. Pump it up a little more, get the party going on the dance floor. See, cause that's where the party's at, and you find out if you do that.
That's a fucking amazing, amazing tune. <laughs> um, one of my faves, like. It is. It, it, I, I would still dance around with this to this day. Yep. In fact, I might tonight. Absolutely, me too. <laughs> so we're on to question four, which is festival fever. Do you like a festival? I bloody love <laughs> That was me knocking the microphone <laughs> because I can't keep my legs still. Like an absolute twat. I need to get my legs in so I don't do it. No, no, I'm, I'm more of a tapper. We, when we did this, the, the podcast with Sandy... I literally had a pen. Like you just hear it all the way through. Nice. Anyways, back to the festival. You were saying how much you love them. I love a festival, me. But just like we're talking about about the raves, like I didn't kind of do like it's. It, it feels to me like people kind of came of age like sort of eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one and stuff. I totally just wasn't ready to do all that then. Uh-huh. So it wasn't until kind of like after I'd finished university and I'd got a bit of it, and then I was like, yeah, I'm gonna get, I'll get on it. Bloody love a festival. Like, so what act would you go out of your way to see at festival? I would always be in the dance tent. Like, um, uh, from being... Because I'm a musician, obviously, but I've been in, like, bands all my life. Yeah. And and I very and because I'm a sound engineer as well, I come into that kind of, like, rock and bands world and everything. But at a festival, like, I, I know this is probably sacrilege to most people, but I'm not really interested in seeing bands. Not, but I'm very much the same. Bands were a very... Like a later edition, I was always, oh, I'm going to the dance tent. Oh, there might be someone on I want to see on the main stage. I'll maybe partner over there. Yeah. And then I'll be back within half an hour. Absolutely. Like, you'll I'll check in on them and stuff. But people, like, like uh, it's it, it's funny when people say, like, oh, do you want to go to this festival? I'll send you the lineup. I'm like, I don't give a shit about mm. the lineup. That's not why I go to a festival. Why I go to a festival is to camp, mm. have fun, find the best dance tent, and just live there. Random shenanigans. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, that's what, what it's about. <laughs> So, so it's, it sounds quite disingenuous for a musician to not really be interested in the bands at a festival, but I'm kind of not. Yeah. I'm just, I just want the best dance tent because I've played, I've played a couple of festivals, and whenever I've, whenever I've played like, because um, like, you played Lindisfarne. Yes, I played Lindisfarne. I played Solfest, and uh, when, like whenever I'm at one, like whenever I've finished playing, what I like to do is just go and find like the best possible dance tent. So that and um, at Lindisfarne. I help out with a like a, a tent at Lindisfarne, and we kind of turn that into a bit of a dance tent at night. Yeah. So I just I stick around there. It sounds wonderful. Yeah, totally, <laughs> absolutely wonderful. So the artists that you you picked, have you seen them at a festival, or, or why have you picked these artists for it? This particular this particular track. The reason I liken Tiger and Woods to a festival, it, Tiger and Woods, an uh, electronic uh, act from America. Um, the reason that I liken them to a festival is not because I've seen them at a festival, but because this 
is because you said with Festival of Fear, this is the track that makes like everyone I know like get up, mm-hmm. and so it'll be on my Bluetooth speaker, or it'll be on the mini rig, or it'll be what whatever at the tents, and like everybody's kind of like, uh, you put this on, everyone's like, yes, I'm back. So that's why I liken it to festivals because this kind of like sort of slightly slower disco groove is to me what gets people like on their feet yeah. marching towards a main site and getting into that dancing for, for a track that's quite slow in my eyes quite slow because obviously I listen to stupid rave music <laughs> um, it's very driving yes yeah yeah it, it reminds us a lot of Vitalik um, Rock. it's mm-hmm. got that just just keep pumping yeah it's got it's got like it's to me it's like that's like the Tiger and Woods and, and that style of music, I don't know if there's a, there's probably a specific genre name for it, but for me, it's like disco yeah. made by people who previously made techno. Yeah. It reminded me a lot, because I went on online, and I was just like, I wonder if there's a DJ set. There was a boiler room set. Yeah. And it reminded me a lot, uh, me and a few mates, including fun size Johnny, big up Johnny. Yeah. Uh, used to do a night on a Sunday, like an after party at... What was the bar called? It's, I think it's called Science now. Science, yeah, it was. Oh. You remember when it was, they had all the porn things on the yeah, wall? Yeah, I, do. Like, I we do. We used to do every Sunday and did a, did a party called Real to Real where we would just play. We'd start off playing Motown and work our way through pop and disco and like right away. And it reminds me of those days. Nice. It's got that all like just like jack and sound, but little bits of everything. Yeah. So it's very much like I, I really. I, I enjoyed I, it a lot. I well, I, like I, I thought it was like it was potentially quite risky to put such a slow groove on a podcast like yours. But I thought I, I don't know. I just think like this to me gets anyone dancing. Yes. If you're if you're into like a, like 160 BPM absolute just, bangers, this is still getting. It's you. like we see on the podcast. Good music doesn't get shit. Agreed. Yeah. And this is a uh, Tiger Woods Gym Nation.
from the album Through the Green from 2011 on Running Back Records and Tiger and Woods do um, they not only put out their own stuff but they do great remixes so like if you if you if people are looking for Tiger and Woods what they should do is they should search Spotify for like Tiger and Woods remix because they've remixed a load of other artists and their remixes are always absolute bangers yeah. so I'd definitely look for that well, there you are have a, have a look for that too uh, which rolls us on to Section 5, which is a shared discovery. Which artists would you say just need that love? Yeah, I've said, like, well, I, I listen to, like, I listen to a lot of local music. Uh, so I thought, I thought about potentially, like, you know, um, sharing some uh, tracks by my favourite artists from around the northeast and things like that. But the two bands, because I've, I've, cho- I've chosen... Uh, oh, hang on, is that two and a one? Hang uh, on, I'm going to uh, do uh, my, my horn. <coughs> Gav's still got the horn, but... <laughs> That's a two and a one. He's played his wild card. I'm two and a one, and like the wild cards going down. Um, it's like these two bands are two of my favourite bands. They're both UK bands. Uh, one's from uh, Leeds and mm-hmm. one's from London. Yeah. Um, but they they're sort of. Um, I feel that they should be immensely popular, uh-huh. but they're not. Well, if you talk about them both, and then we'll just play them back to back. Right. Well, the first one I'm going to uh, start off with um, is. Uh, Probably one of my favourite bands, which is a band called Galaxians. Uh, I stumbled across this band because um, uh, they played at Beat Herder Festival, yeah. um, which is in the Ribble, Ribble Valley. Um, and I, um, at that point, Galaxians was a two-piece. Yeah. So uh, they have a drummer and they have a synth player. 
So basically, it was just this. They had this absolutely banging drummer, and then this guy who's just playing synth solos over the top. And I'm a synth player. Yeah. That's, I, that's what I do. So I, I like to say I really love a great soloist. So at that point, they were just a, like an instrumental drummer and synth player, and the tracks were amazing. But since since I first saw them, they've now got a, a vocalist. Mm-hmm. So they've got a brilliant um, vocalist. Um, and they've just really come into their own. The track that I'm going to play is from their brand new record, which they've released um, during lockdown, um, which is called Chemical Reaction. And the, the ti- I'm going to play the title track, which is the first single uh, from the new album um, and the single edit of that track. Well, after listening to it, this is probably, out of all the tracks that you played today, my favourite. It's, it's, it's just lovely. The vocal is just reminiscent of just early house vocals like just that big big just groovy vocal yeah it's just nice and 80s electro-y and it reminds me of so many other songs none of which I could put my fucking finger on last night (laughs) I was like oh it's a bit like no (laughs) but it's also a bit like I can't remember that track I don't know but it's like a lot of tracks that you've heard already but just done it a new That's way. That's why I like Galaxian so much. They're so well versed. <laughs> like it's clear that they've got like immense record collections, and they've just there's so many. Even just like um, uh, the way that they mix and the, the styles of instruments that they use within it, uh, all, they all seem to be references to the tracks that they love. And I feel like listening to a Galaxian song is just like you say. It's like hearing something completely mm. new but so reminiscent of so many other things. It, it definitely brings that flavour, like, of yeah. just late 80s, like, hip-house almost. Yeah, but totally. just also with that, like, like, kind of R&B from back then as well. Yeah, and a bit of disco as well, like, um, uh, there's loads of that kind of, like, uh, early 80s kind of yeah. disco stuff. Um, and But this, this, they, they dropped this pretty much just as we all got stuck in the house. Uh, so um, I can see you dancing around with this a lot, Steve. Well, that's pretty much what happens. <laughs> <laughs> First two weeks of lockdown, this tune was just on constantly in my house, and I was just dancing around the room like because uh, it's an absolute banger, yeah, as, it, as you'll see. It's definitely, definitely an absolute banger. So I think we should just go straight into that, and then we'll talk about your next band after Indeed, that. Yeah, this is Galaxians and Chemical Reaction, Mama Ghetto Vogue Edit.
So this is a two and a one up. And we're going to go straight into the next shared discovery. Right, well, um, the, this, this particular, there's a very different kind of band than Galaxians. Um, the, the way that I discovered this band is, I think, something that a lot, a lot of people will relate to. Um, they had a sponsored ad on Facebook. And so, right. I was, so I was like, you know, scrolling, 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 scrolling <coughs> through my news feed. And then this video popped up and it was like, so usually when I see like a sponsored thing, I'm a bit like, oh, stop, stop trying to sell things at me. But anyway, this, um, the, the way they'd chosen, this band had chosen to promote themselves was um, by putting up maybe like a one minute excerpt of like a live session in their studio live room. And this band is just totally like, like they just blew me, like in 30 seconds, it blew me away. Um, so I had to like do a bit of research, but usually yeah. advertising on Facebook doesn't get me, but this band absolutely hooked me in. And so that is how I heard about them. They're like in true to God. So the band are called Lydian Collective. Uh-huh. The reason they're called Lydian Collective is Lydian is the name of their record label. And the main guy uh, from Lydian Collective is um, a producer um, and uh, he writes all of the material, and he's also an electronic musician. So mm-hmm. this is one of the reasons why I feel very akin, because my, I've been making electronic music for 20 years. I've yes. done 30 records, um, but like my my newest stuff is going into more of a kind of a live vein, and he's basically done that with this band. So he had like an, an el- he made a lot of electronic music albums, and then he decided to get a really great band together to do live arrangements of, of the, the music that he'd already. Uh, Precisely, yeah. So, so Lydian Collective, this band, um, play tunes that have already been released electronically, but they play live arrangements and they play live with orchestras and everything. Yeah. They're just an absolutely amazing band. Um, the the main the main guys, um, he also records under the name Laszlo, um, and he does he's done a lot of music for um, video games, things like that. Um, and I've just started following them as a result. But this um, this is one of their best tracks, uh, I think. Um, it's not on an album it's just a single release and it's called High 555 named because the track is 5 minutes and 55 seconds long that's a a great reason I think so yeah (laughs) so uh, let's get it
that was the Lydian Collective with High Five Five Five. And this is the new segment for the show where we'll be showing a little bit of love to the artists that we've got on that week and we'll pick one of their tunes from their latest release or an album or an EP and play it out for you and then maybe you can go and check them out yourself. This is, of course, Stig. The track is the amazingly named Whistleblower in a Carnival of Science.
And because Gav isn't talking me into this next section, the hands in there, I'm talking myself into it. So, Stig, you roll out your tent in the morning at Lindisfarne, you stretch for the sky, you pull your pants on, and you're off to the dance tent. You burst in there, there's a DJ, and he plays the greatest record that you've ever heard in your life. Are you hands in the air, or are you screw-facing down? Ooh, I'm hands in the air. I'm a a very um, open... Dancer, like my arms are usually out wide. Yes. I like I look people directly in the eye when I'm dancing. I like people to kind of come in. Uh-huh. I'm not a sort like I think just like we talked about earlier. Like when I was younger, I was such a closed book. Yes, that, that that now like I'm absolutely like arms in the air. Start the party. That's what I like. And this particular tune I've chosen. This this tune could start any party. I think. That, well. That's amazing. Yeah. And um, I believe he has, I think Mark Archer played a track by, not this one, but uh, it's definitely, uh, he's been on the podcast before. Yes. He's been on the podcast before. So um, what track is it? Well, and why do you love it so much? Well, the, it's the track, it's not quite the track that got me in, like, like we've, um, I've been reliably informed today, and I think you have too, Addy, that, uh, that I was saying, was saying his name wrong. Yes, because I pronounced it Todd Tersh. And uh, Don's from Basement Snacks came on once. Actually, it's uh, Todd Terrier. Todd, so Todd Terrier or Todd Terrier or Todd Terrier. T- just Todd. Can I just call you Todd? Like, may I call you Todd? Um, uh, Todd. T- I'm there. Todd is Terrier. Todd, Todd Terrier. Terrier. Todd Yorkshire Terrier um, is from Oslo and is is an amazing producer. But he does remix as well. Now my. Favourite band, who I haven't played today because it didn't really fit with any of the questions, are a band from Oslo called Yagi Azist. Mm-hmm. And um, Yagi Azist um, have been going for like four decades. They were up for the Mercury Prize in the late 90s. They did kind of like live drum and bass style jazz. Right. And then they've moved through kind of all sorts of genres and sort of ended up with this weird jazz, rock, um, electronica hybrid. But anyway, Todd did a, re- a remix of a track from the last album and I absolutely loved that remix and that's what got me into Todd yeah it's Yorkshire great when Jerry. you find those little little niches where there's a band that you like and there's they work with somebody and you're actually oh actually that that's really good and yeah. you go off in a lot of well, who do I do that with actually it wasn't so much that Don had sent me a track by a band called Clipping uh-huh. uh, this this wild booty bass thing and like I'd, I'd listen to it and I was like yeah hey, it's great and then it just popped on one day. It was on my playlist, and I was like, "Actually, that's really good. Yeah. Maybe I'll go and have a look at, at them." Totally. And uh, that's what I was listening to in the gym this morning. Like they, they do, they do very good concept albums. Oh, and I saw them. And they did one about being trapped on a spaceship. And the last one they've done, it's all horror. So the all it's big John Carpenter sounds. Oh, I, I, I love that band. I love it. Love it to death. I'm gonna have to check that out. I think, for, especially over the last few years, I've found. The best way into producers is the remixes that they yes. do. I mean, my my last album but one um, was a collection of the remixes that I've done for other artists. Yeah. And um, the reason I got into doing remixes, I realised, is that that's how I was getting into music. Yes. Like, I was listening to a remix of someone's track, and I was like, God, that remix is amazing. I wonder what their original stuff so, is like. Yeah, yeah. And so, so, yeah, this is a classic... I mean, Todd Terrier is a classic example of... Uh, um, of when I heard his remix of a Yagi Yaz's track, and I was like, I wonder if you do good stuff. Anyway, then um, I heard this track, and that was pretty much it. I think this is like one of the all-time bangers, as far as I'm concerned. And what track is it? 
It's called, there's, well, there's about a million versions of it, but I've gone for the original. It's called Strand Bar.
listening today, and it was Todd Terrier, as in Yorkshire, <laughs> and Strandbar on uh, the album. It's album time. That's an original name. <laughs> <laughs> and from 2014 on the label Olsen. If if like anyone who just listened to that track, if you did, if you didn't move just a little bit or want to dance, I just I don't understand. Like to me, that tune is just like it just builds to this crescendo of like just the most banging riff yeah. ever. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think it's a classic. And after listening through a few tracks this morning on YouTube, I can highly recommend the whole album. DeLorean track that opens yeah. up, which is which is just stupendous. It's it, it's it's album time. It is a funny name, but that record, like that's the sort of thing that you can put on at a party and just yeah, leave, it's leave, very much party music. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. You leave the whole album on though, and it just flows perfectly. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think I'd highly recommend listening to the Yorkshire Terrier himself. <laughs> <laughs> and on the rave, uh, I'd like to give you the chance to put out a dedication. We normally keep this nice and short and sweet, and just let you go with it. Well, uh, my I, I thought I thought a lot about who I would dedicate a track to. Uh, the track that I've chosen is dedicated to all of my closest friends. That's nice. Um, because uh, the, the the track that I've chosen is by a London jazz band called The Comet's Coming. Uh, and uh, I'm really into uh, UK jazz. Yeah. I like, uh, there's there's a lot of bands that I like. There's a band called Go Go Penguin who I really like. Uh, That's they're, amazing. They're, yeah, they're, great, they're a great band as well. And a band called Mammal Hands uh, that all kind of revolve around uh, um, Gondwana Records, which is a jazz label in London. But uh, this particular band, Com- Com- Comet's Coming, are on a label called Impulse, which is a famous jazz label. Anyway, this track, um, uh, which comes from an album called uh, Trust in the Life Force of the Deep Mystery. The reason I chose it and the reason I'm dedicating it to all of my friends is because I've got friends who like all sorts of different types of music. Yeah. Uh, a really close friend of mine is an album reviewer and he reviews um, doom metal and drone and, um, you know, serious, like, you know, riffs. And then I've got friends who like rave. I've got friends who like techno. I've got friends who like um, indie rock and, you know, that kind of thing. This track, to me... And, you know, um, right into the podcast, if you agree, because I think this is universal. I think whatever style of, if you're a metaler or a goth or uh, you like banging beats or anything, something about this tune appeals to absolutely everybody. And I think what I like about the reason I always play this tune when my friends are around is because no matter who's there, they'll all like it. Yeah. So I'm dedicating this tune, um, which is called Summon the Fire by The Comet's Coming, uh, to all of my friends, because it's the tune that brings my friends together. Well, that's lovely, and to everyone of Snake's friends, I hope you enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs>
was the comment is coming summon the fire uh, and if you did like it like Stig says then feel free to message me or Stig actually yeah and also listen to the album uh, Trust in the Life Force of the Deep Mystery because it's like I think it's like the best jazz record of the decade it's a, it's a stunning record you might when from listening to that track summon the fire you might not think jazz obviously it's led by a saxophone but the album's more like a kind of like a psychedelic uh, kind of trip hoppy jazz yeah. beats journey. To be honest, you said that it was um, a jar like a jazz thing. When I was listening through it, I didn't get jazz. Yeah. I was just like, this is just a nice, yeah, it's a really just, nice record. It's just a, just a, like a just a really banging beat and um, uh, and yeah. But like if if you heard that and you liked it, go for the record because it's really good. High recommendation indeed. And we are on. Section 8 already, and this is the board of contention that is Guilty Pleasures. Do you believe that there is such a thing as Guilty Pleasures? Well, I do believe that there is such a thing. Not not in my case. Uh, I think probably a lot of people that you've had on the podcast will have said, I don't have any Guilty Pleasures. Uh, of recent, the last few, they're just like, no, I like this music, I don't give yeah. uh, a flying... Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same, really. Like I think, but earlier in my life, I, I was a bit, you know. Yeah, because mine was happy hardcore. So, yeah. like, I, I was because I was a gamma DJ. I was never allowed to like happy hardcore. Mm. And it was for mine, I picked DJ Magical there. Uh, yeah, which is. Just... Well, I, I love I love happy hardcore. That was part of my childhood. Yeah. you know. Uh, um. So so that's not guilty to me at all. But when I was when I was a kid, I was li- like listening to my parents' record collection. So I was listening to like Fleetwood Mac and I was listening to loads of 70s bands like Yes and Genesis and King Crimson. And that, like when you're sort of 13, is like the most uncool thing you yeah. possibly listen to. So I suppose it was a little bit, I, I kind of kept that to myself back then. But now, no, I'm just like, fuck it. Like, if I like it, then I like it. Yeah. The band. Just embrace that. Yeah, yeah. But, I, I've, tr- but I've tried to embrace what you meant by guilty pleasure because the band that I've chosen I think are probably the most uncool band in the world right <laughs> uh, by their own admission like I don't think I'm pissing them off by saying that but um, f- first of all they're a progressive rock band which is probably um, the most maligned and least cool genre possible although not to me but even within those circles they are considered to be uh, the, the runt of the litter. Yeah, they're, they're considered to be like that. So they're the most uncool band within the most uncool <laughs> genre. <laughs> so, so while they're not a guilty pleasure for me, um, I think they are a guilty pleasure for a lot of people. And that band is Marillion. I, I think this, this is definitely probably the first and last time that we will ever have Marillion on the podcast. I, I don't. I, I don't think. So. Like, I, I can imagine when you saw the name, you were like, "Oh, he's playing that." Oh my. God. I'd never heard of this record before. Well, <laughs> I, I didn't think. Really. Well, just I mean, just just to give you a bit of history of, of that band, or for anyone who's going, oh god, I'm switching the podcast off right now. Please don't, because like you will, you will like this track is definitely. There's more bangers coming after this. Don't don't go, <laughs> don't go. We will the, play some more better music. The bangers will be back. Well, well, I I love this track and and I love this band, but they started off in the '80s and they got a lot of success um, due to their their theatrical frontman, um, who's a bit of a chalk and cheese kind of a guy. But then into the 90s, they became basically a completely different band. They got right. a new vocalist, they really changed their style and really kind of adapted with the times. And the most important thing to say about Marillion is that they're crowdfunding pioneers. Oh, right. So um, you've, you, everybody must have heard of things like Kickstarter yeah. and uh, all of the ways that people crowd for money. Marillion kind of did that about 10 years before anybody else did. So they got all of it, the, because they've got a, a really wide fan, sort of cult fan base. Yeah. 
and they um, they asked all of their fan base to pay for their album recording in advance, uh-huh. and then in return they all got their names in the credits of the record and things like that. And it was really successful, and this is years before Kickstarter. So I think that this band deserves a lot more credit, other than being known for being the most uncool band <laughs> on the planet. Um, but like um, this is from their later period. Well, like like sort of uh, 2004. This tune's from. Uh, and from one of their best records. So when when you said a guilty pleasure, I thought I'll play something that I like that, like most people probably don't. So yeah. That's that's why I chose this song. Well, this is, as I say, probably the first time or last time you'll hear Berlin on the podcast. <laughs> so uh, let's get at it. This is a song about uh, making a record in Hookan Manor on a sunny day. It was cool. 
sugars for me, please. Lovely. Stings, guilty pleasure, brilliant drilling pours on the Marbles album from 2004. Is that the one that was kickstarted? Yeah, that was the one. Well, that was the one where they chose to uh, sort of crowdfund it in advance. Um, but the reason I chose that particular tune as well is not just because it's marine, but also, and I'm, as you've just heard it, even if you didn't like it, it's a really summery tune. That yeah. and like I think right now, um, you know when. Uh, you know, we're starting to get a little bit out of the big lockdown. And we're starting to get out there and do things and go out and uh, and enjoy the sunshine. Yeah. That's a great tune for the summer. So we, from Brilliant, we are slipping straight into the, the greatest of all time. Who is your greatest of all time? Who's my goat? And, that, and all the artists in all of the world. Uh, Who is the very, very best? I've thought about this a lot, and it's to me my favourite artist of all time is not who I consider the greatest artist of all right, time. Right, so who would that be? Well, my favourite artist of all time is a, a, a jazz drummer from Paris called Christian Vondaire, who um, had a band called Magma, who's had it for 40 years. And he's my favourite, but I wouldn't say that that was the greatest artist of all time, because right. I suppose the greatest artist of all time has to have had some enormous impact on music and and had it and communicated with a great number of people so i think the greatest artist of all time is um a composer called steve reich right and the reason that i the reason that that i think he's the greatest is because i believe all electronic music or all all of that kind of style of composition can be traced back to steve reich because he um I'm sure you've got a lot of producers that listen to the podcast and they might use a load of effects and they might use an effect called phasing. Now, phasing can be dated back to the sort of late 60s, early 70s when Steve Reich would play, uh, you'd get a tape loop, you'd get two tape loops and run the tape loops at the same time. But naturally, because those tapes were going around, they'd drift out and the audio would slightly Mm desync, which created this amazing effect. You didn't say what you did, you? Mm-hmm, exactly, and uh, he called that effect phasing, and that he was kind of a pioneer of that technique. So he took the idea of tape phasing, but then he applied it to live musicians. Mm-hmm. So um, 
I, I, he made a very famous piece called Music for 18 Musicians, which I'd love to play on your podcast, but it's an hour long. so it, <laughs> that, that might drag on. Kind of, yeah. Like, I think people would lose interest a little bit. But um, So he took that tape phasing technique and scored that for live players. Oh, right. Um, so percussionists, vocalists, and they would naturally drift out like tapes did. So that, that, te- that sort of audio manipulation technique became... Would, would yeah, because of it. it became yeah. a way of like players sort of playing together. Um, so, I, all of those techniques are, are, are really, I think, what influenced the early music software, what influenced MIDI sequencing, yeah. what influenced di- digital audio workstations, because all of those techniques are really easy to achieve digitally. But they all sort of really originated within Steve Reich. So, uh, there, there are a lot of people like um, Kraftwerk, um, and then there's uh, Isotomida, Wendy Carlos. There's a lot of early synth pioneers, which get a lot of credit for birthing electronic music as a genre. Yeah. But I think Steve Reich deserves a great amount of credit in that regard. So what tracks would you recommend that people go out and find of his? Well, the, the fir- as I mentioned before, the, the first big piece to listen to is Music for 18 Musicians. But the track that I've chosen today is the first good starting point. Um, it's a track where he uses that technique very basically with electric guitars. The, right. re- the recording that I've chosen is performed by a jazz guitarist called Pat Metheny. And it's really, it's, um, to play this now is good because it was Pat Metheny's 66th birthday yesterday. Oh, happy so, birthday, Pat. Happy birthday, Pat I do Metheny. think you'd be listening, but, uh, you know, happy birthday nonetheless. I'm playing you on a rave podcast, so, you know, you can take that on your 66th birthday and run with it. Uh, so this track's called Electric Counterpoint, uh, which has been performed by many guitarists all over the world um, but this is the original recording recorded by Pat Metheny um, and uh, I'm playing the third section of that track Well for everyone out there let's get amongst it
Steve Reich, Electric Counterpoint Part 3 for everyone that's listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And this is where almost finished with the podcast today. This is section number 10. So if you were a boxer and you were coming down to the ring, what would be your walkout music? Oh what would be your God. personal anthem? What I've would got- be the track that's going to whip you into a frenzy? I've got, my, I've got a great WWE tune, but just before we move on from Steve Reich, I want to ask all of the listeners out there if they thought of the phrase Little Fluffy Clouds when that Steve Reich track was playing. Because that track is sampled on the very famous orb tune, Little Fluffy Clouds. I'm going to have to go and listen to the both now. Yeah, so I didn't want to say before the track played, but that's one of the reasons I chose that tune, because I thought people who listen to this podcast be well into that tune. And and, um, when we talked about sampling earlier with Cold Cut and everything like that, well... That tune, Electric Counterpoint, was very famously sampled in Little Fluffy Clouds. But if I if I played Little Fluffy Clouds, like coming out into the ring and everyone, I think I could boot off. So I'm not going to play possibly, that. Possibly, possibly. Yeah. So what have you actually went for? Uh, well, um, well, my personal anthem that I've actually chosen isn't what I'd walk out to. What I'd walk out to is the tune Tom Sawyer by Rush. Nice. Because I've seen wrestlers walk out to that before and I'm like, aye, that's me. That's a tune that I go. <laughs> it's like an absolute fucking banger. But the re- I've actually I chose something different for my personal anthem because whenever this tune's on and I dance to it, for some reason people start filming me. There's about nine or ten videos in different parts, uh, uh, like from different places in my life, of me dancing to this tune. So that has to be my personal anthem, really, doesn't it? it, it absolutely. Yeah. So this the the band that I've chosen is a band called Hiatus Coyote, who are from Sydney, Australia. I don't listen to a great deal of Australian music. I don't hear a great deal of us. I'd like to hear more. Um, but this band are like, you know, they're from, they're from Sydney. They're, um, they're a jazz band led by a, a brilliant lady called Nay Palm. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that's her real name. I, like, I hope it it's is. A, it's an amazing stage name. She's, she's a fucking cool girl. Uh, but she writes all the songs and then she's got this amazing um, uh, band who sort of uh, play her arrangements. And the first time that I heard this tune, I fell in love with it. And I would say it's within my top five favourite songs of all time. Amazing. Amazing. Is there anything else by them that you would you would suggest, or is, well, this, the, is this the pinnacle in your eyes? Well, no, I, I think every single one of the tracks is great. Well, this the track that we're playing, "Breathing Underwater," comes from an album called "Choose Your Weapon." Yeah. it's a double album, um, and it, it's uniformly brilliant. So, if you like this track, listen to the album "Choose Your Weapon." But they have an album before that called "Talk Tomahawk," which is just as good. So, they've only got two records, but if you listen to this tune and you fall in love with it, like I did. You've got to listen to those records and start with Choose Your Weapon. That sounds amazing. So uh, let's get into this one as the last one of the day. Thank you very much, Stig, for coming along and uh, recording in the wonderful basement snacks. And remember, if you come downstairs and shout, On the Rave to Don's, you'll get 10% off all your coffee and snacks. Corrie's looking at us in the corner, gutted that she didn't shout, On the Rave at Don's, and get a discount. On the Rave! So thank you, Steve. Your all the work's been great, man. I've loved listening to the tunes. I've loved picking them. Look, thanks for having us on. Brilliant. Thank you.
Stick for that amazing little selection of bangers there. And as we move forward, we promise we will be getting more ravey again with another rave, rave, rave tacular DJ next up. But until then, it's time to finish with a little bit of science. And for this show's scientific endeavours, I brought to you something that's near and dear to my heart. It's 
a little project that a friend of mine started, Mr. Don McDonald, and he's been on the show also, called Good Morning Gabba, where just during the lockdown, everyone got up, put some Gabba on, jumped around like a twat, had a great time. And off the back of that, an album was put out, and all the proceeds from this album could go to charity. For the paltry sum of £6, you get 56 tracks of Good Morning Gabba goodness. And from this album, I'm going to pick a track, an, an artist that... I've been trying to get on the show for a while and hopefully it will come on soon. This is uh, Mr. Paul Blackout and the track's called La 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 Lockdown. This has been Addy, your Admiral of the Aiming Break and we are officially off the rave. What the-